number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's a campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer. I'm glad you're here. Happy March 3rd, Friday. First of three podcasts that I got for you guys today. Um, (laughs) Really sorry for the delay. I know it's been a month. Um, Month of February was pretty well stacked with state tournament stuff. Um, Just didn't really have time to get out some uh, good podcast shows for you guys. And then um, just combination of being sick, trying to catch up on sleep after the couple of state tournaments, um, and just, hey, life happens sometimes. We get a little busy, and I'm sure you guys know by now that the podcast is kind of the last thing that I get to every week, so wasn't able to get to any of them until today. Ran into some technical difficulties this week. I was hoping to get uh, the three podcasts that are in the feed out Um, earlier this week, but all three of them are now available on a Friday. So if you'd like to binge them, by all means, if you want to pick and choose, go ahead on this first one, going to talk some big 12 championship wrestling, specifically Iowa state. Got some interviews here for you guys from Iowa state coach, Kevin Dresser, um, David Carr, who's going to be attempting to win his fourth Big 12 tournament title. And then after those interviews, um, had a really good conversation with a couple of Cyclone um, wrestling media members, uh, Jacqueline Cordova from Cyclone Fanatic, and then Ben Visser, who's been covering Iowa State for the Iowa State Daily, for the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and now he's doing a little bit with Cyclone Fanatic as well. Just a steady presence, really, over the last you know, since before the dresser era began, um, you know, just a couple of uh, Cyclone wrestling experts, right? So just got to chat with them, had a really good conversation with them about the Cyclones heading down to Tulsa for the Big 12 championships this weekend. Um, Big 12's Saturday and Sunday down in Tulsa at the BOK Center. Um, Going to be really fun to kind of see how they do, right? Big tournament weekend for them. I know the last few years they've really, um, you know, they're in that stage of development when it comes to program building where they're uh, very clearly a strong dual meet team, um, you know, but now I think is, uh, you know, time to see how good of a tournament team they are. Um, haven't really gotten to see that out of this Iowa State team. I think there's been hints that maybe they're going to be a better tournament team this year. Just, um, you know, David Carr doing his thing. Then you obviously got Younger Bastida and Marcus Coleman, who have just continued to take steps forward after being All-Americans last year. Sam Schuyler at heavyweight has been very, very good. Um, you know, and then when it comes to the Big 12 tournament, uh, you know, I talk about this with Jackie and Ben. Things get weird sometimes, right? Um, you know, and then you look at some of the brackets that came out earlier this week. Um Opportunity is there, I think, for the Cyclones to maybe, maybe challenge Mizzou and Oklahoma State. And, um, you know, we'll see if you and I can make some noise as well. Another podcast in the feeds got an interview with uh, Doug Schwab uh, from earlier this week as well. So we make sure we got the Panthers covered. Um, But this is a pretty Cyclone heavy show, this first one um, here in the feed this morning. So we'll hop to it now. It's a pretty long show. Going to start with uh, interviews with Dresser and David Carr from earlier in the week. And then we'll jump right into the conversation with Jackie and Ben. Hope you guys enjoy today's show and I will catch you on the other side. Uh, well, obviously, you know, an exciting week. We've got, uh, you know, really kind of a fresh start. Um, you know, I've always felt like the regular season was the regular season and the postseason was the postseason, and here we are in the postseason. So the nice thing about the postseason is it's really short, and, you know, hopefully we've learned a lot from the regular season. So, uh, you know, I know we got a group of guys that are excited. we got a group of guys that are healthy, and that's really all you can ask for at this time of the year. Speaking of health, how is Corey Caban been? How, how prepared do you think he is for this? Good. He's really done well. Uh, I mean, we probably could have wrestled him in the last chance open, but he just kind of was starting to get on the mat. And, you know, he's been on the mat for the last two weeks. Um, we had a wrestle off, and he, he looked good. He, I mean, Feasley really had a great match. Caleb Feasley's improved a lot for us. And, um, you know, first time down to wait for Corey. Uh, first time off the scale. We duplicated that a couple times in the last week just to, to – to duplicate it so he could get ready for um, 
uh, for Saturday, and uh, he did a really good job throughout the process when he was hurt to, to, to really manage his weight and his cardio really well, and I felt he wrestled and his shape was good. So we'll see. He's going to get a shot. Are you guys, in terms of quality and depth and health going into the postseason this season, whereas last season it seemed like you wondered – is this a tournament team that, like a great dual team, does it translate? Do you yeah. feel like you're in a better spot? Um, I think we've probably, you know, dual meet team-wise this year versus last year might be similar. Uh, I think if you look at the rankings with our top five guys, where we're at this year versus last year is obviously much higher. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, let's see if those guys can roll and they're going to have to carry us. Uh, you know, we need all ten guys to chip in, but they're going to have to carry us uh, – uh, not not only through this weekend, but through uh, Tulsa the second time. What kind of damage can Casey Sversky do as an unseated wrestler? A lot. Um, <clears throat> deep weight, going to be a lot of close matches. Um, you know, his mindset coming into it is going to be really important, and I think his mindset's great. He's trained really well, um, but he's always trained well, and so, um, you know, I think he's really excited about this. Um, with freshmen, just being really honest as a coach, Especially with true freshmen, uh, nothing surprises you, good or bad. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. We weren't able to talk to you after the Keegan O'Toole David Carr match, um, but what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts of potentially having a part two this next weekend? Well, I thought David showed uh, number one that he was ready to go. Um, number two, that he's a pretty darn good wrestler, and um, you know I know he he knows what he's got to do this week. He's got high goals. Um, He's not the kind of guy that's going to look ahead. He knows he's got to get a couple done before he gets there, and he'll do that, uh, I think, in David Carr fashion. And then, you know, he's going to look forward to that. David's always the guy about making adjustments. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, he got taken down in that match. He, there's some things that he, he's already working on and excited to, to see if he can fix. So, uh, you know, but what, wow, two great, two great studs going at it there. Marcus said one of the areas he's taken another step in for him, he feels like his confidence, whereas maybe last year he thought he was the guy, and now he kind of more knows it. Knows he's the guy. Yeah. Right. How would you describe that? I think that's an accurate way, you know, and I think that's the beauty of being a 60-year guy. Um, I mean, let's face it, we live, and we're going to live for the next couple of years in a 60-year world. And I think when you get guys that are 23 and 24 and 25, um, that's a big difference between being a 19-year-old like Casey Swiderski and Panero Johnson. And uh, uh, Marcus has taken full advantage of that. kind of opportunities in front of Sam this weekend? Man, has he had a great run for us. I think if you were to sit back and look at November to now, um, I wouldn't you all agree that he's probably one of the most improved guys on our team, just in terms of results. Now, wrestling-wise, we knew he had it. But, you know, the word confidence right there um, – uh, confidence is is the most dangerous weapon in in sports, um, especially when you've got it. And uh, I just see a really confident guy here. I mean, he's not going he's not going to Tulsa to, to to get to the finals. He's going to win. And when you go to win, you can win. What's the biggest area that he's improved in since he got here? Um, I, you know, I think he's gotten better wrestling, obviously. Um, and, and probably if you were to break down the wrestling part of it, he's probably gotten better in the bottom position because he was a little tentative and um, he probably just thought too much and now he's just going. Um, but then just, uh, you know, I belong here and and I'm not taking a backseat to anybody. And, and he won't. And we saw that last year, especially at the NCAA tournament. You know, he got the NCAA tournament last year and I think was was out and out scared, you know. And you don't see that guy anymore. Been a lot of big moments. I mean, he's been in a lot of big dual meets where it came down to him. You know, look at Iowa City. He got taken down and manhandled for a while and then got himself back into that match. Um, he wouldn't have done that last year. Since confidence is a theme, I guess how confident are you after presumably getting a look at the brackets that your guys can roll through to a Big 12 championship? Well, I, you know, I like the fact that we've got a, a like a out of coaching. We got the seating completely out of the coach's hands. And that's not saying anything negative about any coach in our conference. It's just human nature that you're trying to stack the deck in your favor. So I like that. And there's weights that I like. And there's probably some weights that I don't like. But I think it's fair because I think we got six guys. I mean, I only know one guy in the committee, and that's it. So I don't even know who does it. I just know a couple years ago we decided to get a bunch of neutral uh, 
guys that study wrestling all the time, those, those wrestling nerds that I call them, so they'll be <laughs> mad at me. But uh, uh, Jason Bryant's the only nerd that I know that's in the group, and he's a huge nerd. So, you know, you need guys like that in the group. Um, we need guys like that to study it and to really understand our sport. And I don't think they have any biases. I really don't think they do. Um, I don't like the fact that whoever pushed the, the send button on the freaking computer today and we got like seven buys. Um, I don't like that dude, so I'm going to try to find him and whoop his <laughs> butt when I get there. But uh, that's just the luck of the draw, I guess. But it seems like we haven't had any luck in that respect. Like, I think one thing we lead the Big 12 in is buys in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> we're, we're the gold medal champs every damn year. So I don't like that, but we're going to have to do it in the semifinals, I guess. All right. That's it. Thanks, Got a chance to become one of a handful of four-time Big 12 champs. Uh, how much does that opportunity mean to you? Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's uh, the next thing in front of me, so I'm excited. And, yeah, I think that's going to be cool. I think my dad only won two, so <laughs> I'm always trying to one-up him and stuff. So. I know you got a few matches before you get to the finals, but um, – presumably probably see Keegan again if you guys take care of business. What did you learn from wrestling him the first time? Yeah, I just got a feel for him. Um, you know, I've made some adjustments this past few this past week and some different things I'll have to uh, try to use next time I wrestle him. But, uh, yeah, it was good to wrestle him. I'll see him again, um, obviously, one match at a time. And uh, if I see him in the finals, I'll see him in the finals. What adjustments did you feel like you learned or uh, to make a secret name gesture? Yeah, we don't want to. <laughs> I can't tell everybody. You know? <laughs> I just have to see it. You just have to tune in. How do you feel the team is poised this year compared to previous years? Uh, they're looking good. I think they always look good. I'm super positive. So, But I will say that the adjustments I've seen, the focus, um, that's what you want at the end of the year. You want to see everyone locked in, very focused, very calm. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, me and some of the other, you know, older guys can just show that relaxed, being poised, being sharp, and then those guys can feed off that as well. What does it mean to you to be able, you know, to be a cyclone who makes history like becoming the next four time, the opportunity to get to be the next four time? Uh, it's just it means a lot um you know i wanted to come here and just be the best i can be and uh winning big 12 titles is a big thing it's a big thing for the program uh the winning as a team and the winning individually and i was just telling panero the other day like there's not a lot of freshmen uh big 12 champs at iowa state and i think out of the list there's five of them i think i was a fifth four of them are all national champions and then one of them was like a three or four times all-american so it's not bad if you win a big 12 title as a freshman so i was trying to tell them that like hey aim high go win that big 12 title get a good seat at nationals same with all the young guys on our team i kind of just let them know that it's a good goal it's a good lofty goal and then that way when i'm even done wrestling at iowa state you'll see some great credentialed athletes um winning lots of big things so how much do you talk to everybody about you know, it, it, how it's going to take everybody if you guys want to accomplish the team goal this weekend. I feel like we've talked about it a lot at practice. Uh, it's going to take everybody, every single person. Uh, bonus is going to be big. Um, wrestling your match, not letting someone, you know, dictate the pace of the match. We're going wrestling Iowa State style, wrestling like we've done all season and just making those corrections that we've made. And uh, I think... I think everyone wrestled good. You know, I think we stress that a lot. You know, we got to wrestle for everybody, even though this is an individual part. I think you're still thinking like, hey, if I can get a bonus, if I can um, extend the lead, I'm going to do it. Marcus said his confidence has grown even from last year to this year. Is that something you've seen with him? And how would you describe just his growth? As you talked about young guys. Obviously, he's one of the old, old guys. <laughs> I mean, Marcus Coleman is a savage. I mean, he's the face of the city. That's his walkout song. Uh, <laughs> His confidence is has grown a lot, and just think about the guys he gets to wrestle younger bros than me. I think he just gets to wrestle so many good guys in a room, and that gives me a lot of confidence. I'm wrestling Coleman, I'm wrestling younger. That gives me a lot of confidence to go out there and wrestle the rest of the field. So um, it's awesome to see his swagger, his confidence, and it's rubbed off on a lot of guys. And it's awesome to see um, the seasons he's had so far. How often do you wrestle younger? <laughs> Um, and there's a secret from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want me letting people know how many times I wrestle him. So. Okay. What's that feel like when you go against him? Can you answer that? Yeah. Okay. He's very explosive, very strong. Um, 
it honestly doesn't like he doesn't feel like he's a human being that dude is just <laughs> the things he can do on the mat i don't know how he does it so when i'm wrestling them wrestling him i just try to pick up a few things and i'm like okay i'm using that and uh i just try to learn every time i wrestle anybody i just try to learn and so younger is phenomenal on his feet phenomenal in almost every area and so when i'm wrestling my practice he really pushes me and i learn a lot and i'm just like okay that's something i can do now that's something i can learn so yeah it's the latest thing you've learned wrestling from him um the way he can jump corner on a re-attack is very impressive as you're shooting he's already on your corner and so that's something that you know i do decently well but the way he kind of jumps he almost leaps where i almost run corner so i kind of like how he leaps like kind of wrestling lingo but the way he leaps to the corner is very explosive so that's something i've learned from just wrestling him Sweet. Sweet. Thank you. As promised here with Jacqueline Cordova from Cyclone Fanatic and Ben Visser, who, Cyclone Fanatic? I know you've been covering Iowa State in some capacity for like the <laughs> Iowa State Daily, the Gazette, and now you're just kind of hanging out. For no, the most I'm just kind of hanging out. I record, I record a podcast with Jackie, and that's all I do. It's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you're going to be the expert here um, because we're talking Cyclones on the on today's show. Um, recording this on a Wednesday, we're still in Ames. We just got done talking with Dresser and the gang, um, but this show will go up Thursday morning. Um, Wanted to start here, guys. What's the what's the vibe check on Iowa State going down to the Big Twelve Championships this weekend? The vibe is an it's an interesting one for me. Like there are guys I'm extremely confident in, like David Carr, Younger Bastida, Marcus Coleman. Those guys, Sam Skyler, very confident. And then there's the youth of the team, right? The Casey Swiderskis, <laughs> the Panero Johnsons. I'm pretty confident Panero will qualify and do all that sort of stuff. But how well does he perform is a question I have. Swiderski, does he qualify? He obviously has the ability to, but will he? Um, there's just those the younger guys. Jason Kreiser's not a young guy, but that's a guy who could qualify. But what's how does he feel on that weekend? So my vibe is there. there's guys I'm really confident in, and there's guys like, all right, let's see what they can do this weekend. What about you, Jackie? How are you feeling? Yeah, I hate to say I'm kind of on the same page as Ben, <laughs> but like I feel really solid about those upper weights, and then I start to get a little – just curious of how things are going to play out in the lower weights. I think definitely with brackets coming out, I don't love Iowa State's, <laughs> what is it, like eight buys or something in the first matchup. So I don't love that. That makes me a little more nervous for them in terms of the overall team race. So Yeah, I think there's like two different ways you can view this. Like you can view it through like, okay, are they actually going to contend in the team race? In which case... I might be a little worried because, like you mentioned, Jackie, like Mizzou's got a lot of first-round matchups. They are a team that is capable of scoring bonus points, so more <laughs> opportunities for them, whereas, like, Iowa State doesn't have as much. Um, and also, like, Mizzou's a tough team based on the numbers that I crunch, like Oklahoma State's projected to score more points than Iowa State, and then it's pretty close when you get to, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, that'll be interesting. Or you can through it, view it through the lens, which um, – I mean, you both kind of touched on this a little bit. Like, how many guys do they just get through, right? Because this is like, it's first and foremost a qualifier. Like, obviously, they want to go down and win the dang thing. But, like, they also want to get as many guys through to the national tournament as they can. So it's like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel pretty good about them getting guys through. And we'll touch on that. But I guess, like, in terms of, like, can they win a Big 12 title, I'm a little worried. Um so it's like good and bad going in. I don't know. Am I crazy? Like, not no, at all. No. <laughs> I'm sure we're all feeling it. I definitely felt way more confident about them in the team race, maybe at the beginning of the season. And now where we stand today, I'm a little more nervous. I'm looking more for them to maybe finish second, third. Yeah, I think I'd be, and your numbers dictate, they don't dictate. They say that, you know, Oklahoma State's probably favored to finish second. Personally, I'd be pretty disappointed if Iowa State didn't finish second. Like Jackie said, you know, just a few weeks ago, Iowa State's probably, I thought, probably the best team in the Big 12. Now, Missouri, I don't know how or why Missouri was ranked ninth in the coaches' rankings pretty much all year. That that one always baffled me because they have so many top-end talent guys. Um, and then when Missouri gets, you know, eight first-round matches or whatever and Iowa State gets one or two, 
that is really going to skew the team race quite a bit. So, yeah, Missouri's probably the favorite, and in that respect, okay, that's fine, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I, I still would like to see Iowa State finish second because I think they have the quality and the guys to be able to do that. And it's just, yeah, it's, team race and this type of thing is tough because, like we've said, Missouri has so many first-round matches and Iowa State doesn't. So, and like Cody said, they have a lot of bonus point guys. Those guys are going to get some pins in those first-round matches, and that's going to that's going to boost their score quite a bit. Yeah, I think. And, and the other thing I think to consider too is like, um, and I don't know like how much you factor this in, but like, the Big Twelve is weird every year. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> like there's always a round or two where it's like. Didn't see that coming, right? Like Oklahoma, for Oklahoma, example. Exactly, yeah. Oklahoma always finds a way to wrestle really well at the Big 12 tournament, yep. and it just throws a wrench into everything. Like, what, the last couple of years, like, what, they tied with Oklahoma State to win it? Yep. And then, like, last year, I think they still finished top five, and, like, they yep. pushed enough guys into the semis to, like, just make it strange. So, like, we can never discount that, like, in terms of, like, both the team race and, like, how it affects Iowa State's guys qualifying for stuff. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, like, that's part of the fun, I guess, of the Big 12 tournament is that just, like, so, you know, like, I think another team to watch this week is, like, West Virginia. Mm. And, like, mm-hmm. I think my math had them projected to score, like, 50 points, which is, like, half of Missouri's total and, like, 30 <laughs> points south of Iowa State. Like, but they have so many dudes that, like, oh, if they can, like, sneak a couple of these quarterfinal matches that they probably shouldn't win, like, all of a sudden it's weird again. Like, I don't know. Like, that's kind of the fun of the Big 12 tournament is that, like, you're, you're going to have a team – just because history says so, that's going to come out of nowhere and just, like, make things interesting and weird. And I wonder, like, could Iowa State be that team? You know, there's a couple of semifinal matchups if the seeds hold that could be good. Like, could West Virginia or Oklahoma find a way to wrestle really well and throw a wrench into things? Like, I don't know. Like, that's also, like, there is that, like, wild card just, like, out there in the ether. And, like, how does it, how does it impact Iowa State um, and you and I and Mizzou and Oklahoma State and all these other things that could happen, um, which is part of the fun. I don't know. Like that's I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm very I don't know. I've got, I've got like a I don't know is like my vibe check going in. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Iowa State. <laughs> well, it's it's a ton of fun. And I asked Kevin Dresser and Jackie and I had um, you and I coached Doug Schwab on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Just the state of college wrestling this season. There seems to be a lot of parity across the board. Like Penn State is probably the best team in the country. They'll probably win another national title. I was probably the second best. But when you go even I was they both those teams have holes in their lineup first of all, but even Iowa Iowa State pushed them right to the brink. But if you go three through fifteen, those teams are right next to each other, and I think that's going to play in both the Big Ten um, wrestling championships and the Big Twelve wrestling championships. Because like Cody said, West Virginia's got some guys right. Like they could if they have a good weekend, they could score some points. They could push their team to a point total up to to where they're finishing fourth or something like that. So. Um, I love the parody in college wrestling this year. It's one of my favorite developments because Iowa State pushed Penn State as well. And it's just, it's a ton of fun to see Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. And then, unfortunately, you know, for us, Missouri beats Iowa State, but Oklahoma (laughs) State beat Missouri. And it's just, there's this round robin type of thing going on that I think is really, really fun in college wrestling this year. I feel like that's where the lower weights come in and why they're going to be exciting because you look at someone like Zach Redding, who I think is very capable of going into Tulsa this weekend and just blowing everything out of the water, completely surprising us a few times here and there and finishing on the podium. Like, I really think he could be someone that might surprise us. And it's and then you look at Pinero and Casey, who are both coming in so strong. You know, they've had their growing pains, but what's stopping them from really just putting on a show in Tulsa? Like, if there's a time to surprise us, it's in a tournament setting. So I am very excited for that. It Obviously, you want the team you're covering to do well. It makes your job more fun. But <laughs> I'm always in favor of chaos. So we'll see. We'll see how things play out. Well, maybe that's an easy transition into, um, you know, because you touched on a few different names there. Which Iowa State wrestler are you guys most excited to watch this weekend? Like, well, let's, let's start there. I know David Carr is probably an easy <laughs> answer. And if that's the answer you guys pick, we'll roll with it. But, like... There's a lot of guys, like, especially now that we have the brackets in front of us, like, we can kind of see what paths they might take or what could be available to some of these guys. Who, like, who are you most excited to watch this weekend? For me, David Carr is the obvious answer. <laughs> but if we're taking him off the board, for me, it's younger Bastida. He is maybe the most exciting guy to watch on the team. It's either him or David Carr. Uh, just his athleticism, his explosiveness, his tenacity, his want to win is super fun to watch. 
That being said, he's ended the season on not the highest of notes. He lost to Rocky Elam. He got ridden out. Um, and then he also lost to um, Zach Brunagel from Illinois to end the season. So he, he's taken some losses. Losing to Rocky Elam is not the end of the world. That's a, not a fine loss, but it's, one, it's an understandable loss, <laughs> they've right? Tra- they've traded throughout their they've career. They've traded yeah. throughout, exactly. Jab here, jab there. Um, so, but I want to see what, how younger Bastida responds because he hasn't had too many two-match losing streaks in his career. This might be his first one. Um, so I'm really interested to see how he responds. I like his draw. He's got the Utah Valley kid in the first round, I think. Or maybe that's his second-round matchup. Yeah, he starts with uh, Wyoming and then Bachman from Utah Valley. Yep. So, like, and it's interesting because he's got an opportunity to maybe score some early bonus points for yeah. Iowa State with just, those two matchups. Yep, I want bonus points for both those matches, especially the Wyoming one. I think that's one where a tech fall is probably on the table for him. Um, and then if memory serves the Utah Valley one, I think he was a takedown away during the dual meet from getting bonus points, so I'd like to see him extend that to bonus points. Wins both those matches. Rocky Elam does what he's supposed to do. Those two meet in the semifinals, which could maybe be a finals matchup in the Big 12 (laughs) if I were doing the seedings, but I'm not, so I didn't have a say in that. That's going to be maybe the best semifinal of the Big 12 tournament, assuming it happens. And then let's, let's, you know, in theory, let's say Younger wins, gets probably Tanner Sloan from... South Dakota State. That's, Shout out Albernet, by the way. There you go. Uh, that's an interesting matchup to me because Sloan is similar to Elam in that he's really good on top. And we've seen that Younger's biggest weakness. Obviously, he's a freestyle guy from Cuba. So how does Younger handle Rocky first, right? Does he choose bottom? My gut probably says no. But if he, if let's say he gives up a takedown, is he able to get out from Elam? If he does that, I feel better about his potential matchup against a guy like Tanner Sloan. 100%. And the other thing I think to consider when it comes to 197, the Big 12, um, the results from this weight are going to go a long ways in, you know, like what's seating going to yeah. look like at the yeah. national tournament, right? Because you look at like, you know, who the top guys are at that weight. I hit heavyweight, not 197. <laughs> um, you know, you've got Nino Bonacorsi at rank number one. Michael Beard from Lehigh, number two. Max Dean from Penn State, number three. But then you've got Rocky Elam at four, Younger at seven, Tanner Sloan at nine. Like, the winner of this way could probably secure a top five seed for the national tournament. And that's obviously big when you think of, like, both individual and team pursuits. Um, So, yeah, a lot on the line here for Younger. I agree with you. I really like his draw. Um, especially after getting two matches under his belt, how's he going to feel and look against Rocky Elam? Because that could be a big match for the team race as well. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, projected team scores, third place scores 10 points, second place scores 12. Um, two points may not be a huge difference, but, like, that'll be a pretty big difference. Like, mm-hmm. that factors, obviously, into some of these projections and how they ultimately go. So, um, plus, Younger's shown that he can beat Rocky. So that's, that'll be a really interesting matchup. I'm excited to see that one. I like that pick. Um, Jackie, who are you most excited to watch? I'm going to go with Marcus Coleman, and the reason why I pick Coleman is not only because of just his growth as a wrestler. I mean, the athlete he is today compared to who he was when he first got to Ames, and even just, what, two two years ago, he's just grown so much. He is insane, and he even said it today that, you know, he went from being a, what, 20-ranked some guy to now he's the number two seed. So not only am I excited just to see what kind of show he can put on, but the way the brackets are sitting, I would love to have him and Kakaizen go up for that championship match. I would love to see it again. I just think that I'm sure Marcus doesn't love it because he keeps losing, but I just think it's (laughs) such a fun matchup to see just how Marcus continues to try and figure out how to beat him. And after just, you know, your regular season, you're never going to be able to beat him since it's over. But at least this chance you get to be in the Big 12 championship for a title that Marcus, you know, is really gunning for after finishing third last year. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm very excited to see just how his mental toughness goes into how he finishes this year. Because I know last year his situation was a little harder, not only just competition-wise, and then, you know, you had all the mental stuff with losing his grandfather, unfortunately, in the middle of the competition. So... I'm just, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's definitely a bias. I, I have a soft spot for him. So I'm excited to just see how he finishes his career since we've, you know, we've been, all three of us have been watching him since he started, so. Yeah, right. Well, and I, you know, we've all been watching him because he grew up right down the road, right? right? So like, you know, Ames kid, Ames to Ames, stayed home. Um, 
No, it's been really fun watching his development, and I like that pick too, um, just because you know it's another Iowa native who is a very key component to you know whatever Iowa State's um, team goals are this year, which is you know they want to win a Big Twelve team title, they want to go win a trophy at the NCAA championships. Marcus is a huge component of that, but I also like that. Similar reasons I like you picking younger at ninety seven, NCAA seeding, like it's huge for this weight. Um, <laughs> yes. And obviously, this all kind of hinges on Keck Eisen and Coleman meeting in the finals. Right. Um, Things like, could get crazy. <laughs> right. Like, and if Coleman finds a way to win this match, very real. Like, it's not unreasonable to think he could be the one seed at the NCAA championship. I was just about to see if that was unreasonable because obviously, maybe a slight <laughs> cyclone bias from me. I'm just like, if he beats Keck Eisen, he already beat Brooks. Like, why couldn't he be the one seed? That win over Brooks is huge. Because um, then you look at, you know, Trey Munoz is the guy who beat Marcus, and that was back, what, in New Orleans? He's 21-1, and one, so I guess if he ultimately wins the Pac-12, which he probably should, that probably throws a wrench into things. I'm not sure how it ultimately comes out. Um, but, yeah, like there's – Marcus has a case at the very least if he wins a Big 12 title to potentially be the one seed at the NCAA championships, which if you're the one seed, presumably you're opposite Aaron Brooks, which is kind of where you want to be. You only want to wrestle him once, right? right. So, like <laughs> – I don't know. Um, there's a lot on the line there for Marcus. Um, I'm super excited to kind of watch him go. We asked him today, or at least I did, like, you know, is it weird that there's two tournaments left in your Iowa State career? Because I feel like he's one of those guys that's been around for a while. Right. Um, but really the last few years is when he started to find a lot of high-level success, um, which has been really fun to watch. I'm going to miss him when he's gone. I hope he sticks around and, like, <laughs> does the Cyclone Regional Training Center thing because um, I know he's a freestyle guy. But, no, I like that pick a lot. Um, I'm going to go with, I know before we hit recording, I was going to say Corey Cabanban at 25, but I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and go Casey Swierski at 41. Um, really excited to see, cause I, I feel like he is, he's like, he's, he's the bomb that could blow up this bracket. Um, mm-hmm. you look at, you look at 41 and the draws came out. Um, it's pretty stacked. And so like he, it's not in, like, it's not going to be easy, right? He's got Clay Carlson right out of the gate, all American, not easy. Um, but like, he's good enough to, I think, blow this bracket up. And if he does, like he'll have earned it, right? Clay Carlson, if he wins, he gets Carter Young. If he wins, presumably top-seeded Andrew Alirez. Um, but even if he loses in the first round, he could like, I mean, it probably doesn't, it doesn't get a whole lot easier. Um, I think he can do this. Um, he needs to finish looking back. Um, he needs to finish seventh in order to earn a bid to the NCAA championships. I think he can. Um, that first match against Carlson right off the scale is going to be massive to his chances because a win in the quarters, um, I think he can beat Carter Young. Carter Young, I know, is really, really good. He's a lot of freestyle success, and he's, he's had some success this year. I know he's been kind of up and down a little bit, similar to Swiderski. Um, if he can find a way to beat Carlson right out of the gate, um, that sets him up, I think, really well to potentially go and I mean, really, he'd steal a bid because I don't know that he actually earned one for the conference just because of his struggles yeah, that season. I don't think he did. Yeah, so he could steal a bid. Um, I'm really excited to watch him. Dresser said that he's healthy now. He's looked better recently. I know they haven't wrestled in two weeks, but like he's just the last few matches down the stretch. He, I mean, he took Kale Happel to the brink, um, got a win over who is that? Pacino from Illinois. Yep. Um, that's a really good win. Pacino's been really impressive mm-hmm. in big, you know, during the Big Ten schedule this year. Um, I like his chances. I, I obviously that that first win because if he doesn't win the first match, you know, if we kind of if we play the seed game here, he could see Allen Hart on the backside or Kale Happel. Um, hmm. Neither of those guys are easy, right? <laughs> and then if you continue through the Russellbacks, he could potentially see Dylan Drogmuller from North Dakota State um, or potentially, you know, the kid from Air Force. I don't think they wrestled this year, did they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a little bit of unknown there. Um, and maybe that plays into Swiderski's favor. But, yeah, if he can come out and beat Carlson right out of the gate, um, I think that would be huge. So I'm excited, to, I'm, just, I'm excited to see him wrestle again. Um, he was really excited to watch earlier in the year, and then I know he got hurt and he slowed down a little bit. Um, but he looks healthier now, which is, I think, a really exciting. Obviously, like his his success is super important for Iowa State's like team success, right? Like right. he's a guy that you know, based on the projections that I use, and we'll get into that next. Um, not scoring any team points for Iowa State. So if he can come through and find a way in this super deep weight to score some major team points, that obviously helps the Cyclones on the team side of things too. Absolutely. If Younger wasn't my pick, it would have been Swiderski for a lot of the reasons that you said, and he could absolutely blow up his bracket. Uh, he's so talented. We saw his first match out. 
he straight double like Wisconsin. Who's his name? Joey Zargo. Joey Zargo. Blood everywhere, and he just kept on it. And that was the pace I was expecting to see the whole season. Then, like Cody said, got injured, and the coaches have indicated too. He lost some confidence, right? He's a freshman. He had never lost two matches in a row, three matches in a row in his high school career. That's just that didn't happen for Casey Swiderski. So, to see him start to regain that confidence and that pace that he's wrestling with early in the season has been really fun to watch. And I seventh to me, I think is very much on the table for Casey. I really, I think he could probably finish top five or top three if he wrestles really, really well, like high pace the whole time. He's one of those guys, and I think it was David Carr today who mentioned pace. He, he wants to see Iowa State guys wrestle their pace. If Swiderski wrestles his pace, he's one of those guys that can beat a lot of guys, right? His pace is hard to keep up with when he's at it the whole seven minutes. So that's one that I... I like that pick a lot because if he's wrestling his pace, he could do something. Absolutely. Well, and like you said, I mean, his, I was going to say his demeanor, like his entire demeanor was like a 180 from after the, probably the Illinois match. It was like something just kind of flipped in him. And I, he said it had a lot to do with his conversations with Metcalf, but like, I feel like if his mental is just like in the right headspace when he goes into big 12s, I think he'll be fine. Like, he clearly has the grit, he has the moves, he has what he needs in terms of that. It's just his, yeah, his mental, it's all about the mental, as they say. But what does Coach call him? What was he, what was, what did he call him earlier in the season? A savage. A savage, okay. <laughs> little savage. Yeah. No better time to be a savage than now this at the Big it. 12 tournament, right? <laughs> You're going to catch an All-American right <laughs> off the scale. You mentioned his motor. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's set up for him to potentially blow up, um, you know, arguably the deepest weight, um, in the Big 12 tournament, maybe. Um, you know, I know I'm sure like 97 probably will give it a run for its money, but mm-hmm. um, 41 stacked, but I think Casey can come through. Um, and obviously that'd be pretty huge for Iowa State as well. Um, speaking of guys who can come through, next question I had for you guys, how many qualifiers do they get? So when the <laughs> seedings first came out, I was, there's a path, there was a path in my mind for Iowa State to qualify 10. I, there's a path. I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's what I'm predicting, but there's a path for Iowa State to qualify ten. I think they probably qualify seven. I don't. I think it's going to be tough for Corey Cabanban to qualify at 125. I think it's going to be tough for Jason Kreiser to qualify at 57. When the seedings first came out, or when the allocations first came out, I thought Kreiser had a pretty decent shot, but unfortunately, the West Virginia guy who earned an allocation is getting replaced by Alex Hornfeck, who wasn't able to uh, earn an allocation because he didn't wrestle enough matches this year, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's one less spot for Kreiser. So he's going to have to beat somebody he's not supposed to. And then Julian Broderson, we've seen this year, he's had some really good wins. Like, he had a really good weekend. I forget which one. And then he's had some ones like, ah, come on, those, those are matches that I think you should probably win. Uh, so those three weights, 125, 157, 174, are probably the weights where – yeah, maybe they don't qualify a guy, but I think Jason Kreiser is probably more – I'd like to see Kreiser qualify just because he, his style is so heart-pounding. <laughs> it's, it's something different. Um, his funk, he rolls around on the mat a lot, and it's fun to watch. It's not always – it doesn't always result in wins, but it's fun to watch. So I'd like to see him qualify just to see what happens in the national tournament. I don't expect I wouldn't expect him to do anything much, but it you know throw a wrench in a few things maybe. Um, <laughs> so my realistic projection probably seven, but I I do think there's a path for ten, especially if Corey Van Ban is on his A game. It's interesting that you so so you're thinking Kreiser, um, Kreiser. he's the seven seed. He needs to take six. Do you do you think he'll get through? <sighs> I'd like him to. <laughs> I like him to. So, like, just, I mean, I'm just kind of glancing at the brackets here. Um, if seeds hold, Kreiser would have to beat Wyoming's Jacob Wright on the backside mm. to sneak into the top six, which would secure him his automatic bid. Um, I actually kind of like Ban Ban's path a little bit more. Because um, you look at who he's got. He's got Steve O'Polin from North Colorado first. Um, if he wins that, obviously things look a little bit brighter. But even if he doesn't, if assuming the seeds hold, he'll have Tanner Jordan from South Dakota State on the backside. That's a winnable match. And at 25, you need to get top six. So then he would have to win another. And then you're looking at potentially Joey Prada from Oklahoma. I don't believe they wrestled earlier this year, nope. but that's a match that he could probably win. 
Um, this could also not mean absolutely anything at all because at the time that we're recording this, uh, Cal Baptist Elijah Griffin decided that he, well, he didn't decide. He announced. <laughs> he announced that he broke his leg and that he'll be pulled. So, like, he's the eight seed. So how does that, you know, how, how are they going to rebracket this thing? Does, does Caban Ban move? Does his path change? Um, these are all things that could, you know, by the time this podcast goes live, <laughs> may not mean anything at all. Right. Um, okay, but you think seven. You think seven? Seven is my firm prediction. What about you, Jackie? I hate when we agree. <laughs> it's just like so boring. Fine, I'll go but, eight. Jason Kreiser's getting in. But I would hey. say seven's my like confident answer, and I could see it being eight with someone like Kreiser or Kabanban, getting it. I just, I wish Dresser, you know, would throw us a bone and be like, oh, do you guys want to come watch this wrestle off at <laughs> <laughs> Because I hate that we just have not physically seen Corey have any action since his injury. So I'm like, I believe that he can do it, but then because we haven't seen him and he hasn't really had much live action, I worry. Because that's a long process to just dive headfirst in after you've been injured for how many ever weeks? How long has it been now? Months. It was since the Penn State dual meet. So yeah, that was in December. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just worries me. That you know, no offense to the talent in the room at 125. Caleb Feasley has been doing incredible for the Cyclones. Like I am very impressed how he's done. But it just, it's so different from wrestling off against your teammates to everybody else in the Big 12. So I'm a little concerned. But No, that makes sense. And I think a lot of, like, my confidence that, like, Caban Ban could sneak through is, like, historically he's shown. Right, that he's, he's good. He's pretty good. He's but good. Also, he's been fully healthy the few times that we've seen him, right? So, like, I'm with you. I, like, I guess we don't know exactly how he looks. Um, okay, so Ben's with eight. I'll go eight. Jack, Jack I'm, with I'm seven. sticking with seven. Um, I think I'm going to go with seven as well. Um, I think – I'd, I'm on the Caban Ban train. I think he gets through. I don't think Broderson does. Um, just looking at the draw, I'm a little worried. Um, I mean, it never is never a good thing when you start with number one seed. No. Nope. Right. Um, but then, like, if you look at, like, who he could potentially see on the cross um, in the Russellbacks, assuming the seeds hold, he'll either see Lance Runyon um, from Northern Iowa, who has his number. Like, yep. it's just it is what it is. Or if Runyon somehow beats Dustin Plot again because he has before, Broderson would see the two seed. Um, so, like, if your two matches at the Big 12 tournament are the one seed and the two seed, yeah. generally not the best thing. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I'm a little worried there. Um, you know, I think Redding will get through. I think I'm just kind of going up and down the line now. I'm I'm full believer in Casey that he'll get through. I believe Pinero will get through. A um, little worried about Kreiser just because <laughs> – if it was top seven, heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, that's how I felt when they first came out. I was like, yeah, yeah he's, he'll be fine. It's just, it, he has a history of not always winning the close matches, and that's what he needs to do this time, yeah. right? Like, And maybe he does. <laughs> maybe this is, you know, maybe he's one of those weird wrenches that just throws this tournament out of whack. Um, but I'm a little nervous. At the same time, I also wonder, like, because of where he's at in the coaches' rankings on the RPI, if he doesn't sneak in as the 32 or the 33 seed anyway, if he doesn't, um, that might also require him to finish seventh. Um, so I guess we'll see. But, yeah, I don't know. Just, like, the way the bracket's currently set up, I'm a little nervous. Um, so, yeah, I think 65, David's fine. Um, and then 84, 97, heavyweight. Um, shoot, I probably think they're going to get nine through now, don't I? No, eight. But I still think seven. Somebody's going to stub their toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I could talk myself into eight. I totally get it. Um, so, yeah. Um, next topic I wanted to ask you guys was I do team score math for these projections just to kind of give us a roadmap. Um, and so what I do is I take the tournament scoring system, which in this case is first place is 16, second place is 12, third is 10, you get it. 16, 12, 10, 9, 7, 6, 4, 3. I add up all the pre-seeds, and it spits out team score projections. The team score projections I came up with for the Big 12 tournament are Missouri in first with 108, Oklahoma State in second with 84, Iowa State in third with 74, Northern Iowa fourth, 65, South Dakota State fifth with 61. I tweeted it. You guys can go check out the rest of them. But those are the top five. Question I pose to you guys now where can Iowa State pick up points to catch, I guess in this case, both Mizzou and Oklahoma State? My projections have them 10 points behind Oklahoma State and 34 behind Mizzou, which sounds a lot bigger when you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, 
But what, like, where, where do you feel like they can pick up points to maybe catch Mizzou and Oklahoma State and really make this team race interesting? Your projections assume no bonus points, correct? No bonus points. Yeah. And I also don't calculate for advancement because I know that when it comes to – I'm able to do that for the Big Tens because they seed the top 14, so one and two get mm-hmm. buys. So I have, like, a good idea of what the bracket looks like for the Big 12s. I don't do that because they seed the top eight, and then the remaining five just kind of get randomly drawn in. So it's yep. just – yeah, I don't count for bonus. I don't count for advancement. It's just purely placement. Yeah, so we're – in my mind, where Iowa State can get bon- where I would like to see Iowa State get bonus points to make this a close team race, is I want to see bonus points from David Carr in every match except for the finals. We're, you don't want to see him bonus Keegan I'd love O'Toole. To see him, I'd love to see him bonus <laughs> Keegan O'Toole, but if we're being honest, that's probably not going to happen. He did beat him seven two though in the dual meet, so you know another takedown and back points. Who knows? But uh, so I'd love to see. Um, bonus points, not major decisions either. I want tech falls and falls from Carr in the first two rounds for sure. Major decision in the semifinals if he if that's what happens, that's fine. <laughs> Younger Bastida, he's one of the few Iowa State wrestlers with a first round matchup. That needs to be tech fall against that Wyoming kid. Tech fall him. Um, Utah Valley. If I remember correctly, that was a decision this year, and. It was one of those situations where Younger was in on a few shots where if he finishes those, it's a major decision, and if he does a few more things, it's a tech fall. So I'll settle for a major decision there with Younger against the Utah Valley kid. But really, I think a tech fall should be on the table too there. Rocky Elam, you're not going to major decision him. That's fine. Tanner Sloan, probably not going to major decision him. Just get wins there. I think the Rocky Elam match with Younger is where Iowa State could make up more than a few points. Um, if if Younger is able to win that match, send Rocky to the backside of the tournament, and then if he's able to beat Tanner Sloan, that's going to be a, what, a eight You jump, you jump from scoring 10 to scoring 16 before any bonus. Yes. And that would also include, I think, three points for advancement. So, yeah, that'd be a lot of points there for Younger that yeah. I don't currently have him projected to score. Yeah, Marcus Coleman, very similar story. We've seen him pin guys in tournaments. In the NCAA tournament, I think it was two years ago, he went on a pin yeah, streak. Yeah, he did. Or maybe it's the Big 12s and NCAA tournaments. It was both. Yeah, yeah, it was both. It was, yeah. He just went on a pin streak, and that scored Iowa State a lot of team points. We've seen him doing the postseason before. It'd be great to see it again. Um, I, at bare minimum, again, major decisions for him in the first two rounds. Um, I'd like to see, you know, a pin or two, especially in the first round. I'd like to see a pin. Um, and then a guy like Panero Johnson, who hasn't historically scored a lot of bonus points for Iowa State, but we've seen him when he gets on his offense, he can score points. Uh, so he's a guy in that first round matchup. Give me bonus points. Sam Schuyler. Yeah. He's one where he's not a pinner. And in heavyweight, if you're not a pinner, you're probably not going to score a lot of bonus points. But he's, he is one of those heavyweights where he can get takedowns a lot at the end of matches if he starts to break his guy down. So if he's able to do that his first and maybe second match, I could see bonus points there as well. So those are the hammers that we were talking about early when, hey, where are you feeling? How's your vibe check? My vibe check is if the Hammers do their job and get bonus points early in the uh, tournament, I feel really good. Yeah. How, do they, how do they close the gap, Jackie? Yeah, I feel like when we talk about the two teams, I'm looking at Pinero showing up with that swagger he had in the beginning of the season. Obviously, when it came to the duel, he unfortunately just you know got caught, got to his mm, back, unfortunately. Yeah. And I... I would hope that that does not happen again. And I feel like, yeah, when I look up and down the lineup of where can we see people really step up, of course, you know, younger David were, and Marcus were talking bonus points. But uh, like I said, I'm looking at Pinero and I'm looking at Sam Schuyler because Sam Schuyler I also think is in a very confident mindset where he really – I think he's more open about it than Marcus when it comes about talking about being a senior. He's definitely more comfortable saying, yeah, this is it. Like, I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> so I feel like Sam Schuyler, like you said, not necessarily out here pinning guys, but he's definitely shown he can rack up those points and bring in bonus points if you really need them. So that's kind of where I'm looking at, 149 and 285. 100%. Um, I think it's important to note that, like, and again, 25 could change. Um, <laughs> yeah. But based on the brackets that were released on Wednesday, um, Missouri has eight first-round matchups. Iowa State has just four, but they're <laughs> only favored in one of them. Yeah. Um, and so quick math says one point for advancement, two points for a pin. Missouri could score 24 points mm. in the first round alone, whereas like Iowa State, in theory, you know, if Younger, let's say Younger gets a pin, even though he never pins, um, that's only three points, right? So it's like, okay, 
Mizzou's going to have that edge. Less than ideal when you're looking at the team race. Um, that said, based solely on placement points, here was my thought about how Iowa State could maybe close the gap a little bit. So Zach Redding, 3C to 133. He has beaten Kyle Biscoglia every single time they've wrestled, which is only twice, but still. Um, if you win that match in the semis, you're a three seed that's finishing top two. There's points. Panero Johnson, same thing. Three seed at 49. Can he beat you and I's Colin Real Buto in the semifinals? Um, if he can, you're outplacing your seed. Jason Kreiser is the seven seed. It's going to come down to winning that close match, assuming it's him and Jacob Wright and the Russellbacks, um, but there could be points. Um, David Carr is the one seed. You got to hold that. And like you said, Ben, got to score a bonus. Uh, Marcus Coleman's the two seed. He could win 184. That's, you go from scoring 12 points for second place to 16 for first. That's huge. Mm -hmm. um, Younger Bastida, same thing. Three seed at 97, can you get to the finals? And if you get to the finals, can you win it, right? Um, same thing with Skyler. I'm a little surprised that he was the two seed, but I guess not super surprising. Um, I thought he had a stronger case over Wyatt Hendrickson, but I get it. Um, you know, can he win it? Right? Like, can he beat, you know, and then, so you do that. My rough math says Iowa State's at 80 team points because they pick up points for those guys getting to the finals. Um, and then Missouri's down to 106 because you got Younger beating Rocky. Where do you make up the extra 26 points? Bonus points, obviously. But then also, can Caban Ban Swiderski and Broderson make that up somewhere? 26 points is a lot by placement alone, but, you know, I think that would require all of them to finish at least fourth. So, that's hard but that's the path like it's almost like you need it's almost like you need a little bit of help you need a lot of help missouri yeah. needs to slip up more than a few times yeah you need a few guys to out out punch their seeds and then you you're gonna need a little bit of help which could come i was gonna say which you can i mean they lost oklahoma state which yeah. is so weird. So weird. I, I, I don't understand any of Missouri's losses. I, I truly don't understand how they lost three times. Like, I understand losing once or twice. That's fine. But they lost three times to teams that aren't fantastic. And that I didn't understand it. Not at all. I mean, we, can, we could go weight by weight and look at, you know, where, where could Missouri slip up a little bit. You know, I know 33, Connor Brown, he's the five seed. Um, you know, kind of an up and down guy. Um, you know, 41, Alan Hart's the sixth seed. Um, you know, he's a guy who I could see outperform his sixth seed, but he's also, you know, I mean, if, if Swiderski doesn't beat Carlson first round, that's a huge matchup all of a sudden on the backside. Um, you know, at Zach Elam at heavyweight, really solid, really consistent, but, you know, sometimes he falls into funks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a little, you know, there's, there's little bits and pieces here and there, but I think clearly, like, you know, there are things Iowa State can do to try and make up the ground, but like you said, I think they're going to need a little bit of help along the way. Which, you know, back to where we first opened the show, things could get weird at the Big 12 tournament. It like can you, happen. You never know. <laughs> but, like, if you're relying on that, odds are, you know, like that's, that's not the best strategy when it comes to trying to win a tournament. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, just something, it's, it's something to keep in mind. Um, well, one of the last things I wanted to ask you guys, um, how do we think they do? How do we think Iowa State does? Just, by, I know we talked about qualifiers. I know we talked about how they're going to close the team race. Um, guys, we're excited to watch. But like in terms of like the Big 12 tournament team race, it's kind of like the last final thought here. How do we think they do? I, uh, second. I think Iowa State should finish second. I think Missouri, them getting eight first-round matches is going to be too much to overcome, and I've, that's fine. I've accepted that. Uh, so I think second, I do think they should beat Oklahoma State just because I do. <laughs> How's that for reasoning? <laughs> so I think second, I like what Dresser and David Carpel said during availability today about how the team is feeling. Um, and like Dresser said about Marcus Coleman, confidence when you're an athlete and you have it, it can do wonders. And I like Iowa State's confidence right now, especially at a lot of the key ways that we've talked about. How, I, how they doing, Jackie? I feel like I'm looking at, like, last year and then you look at the year prior. Because I'm definitely someone who tends to be more positive. I'm always like, yes, they're going to do so good. And then I walk out of it, I'm like, God, that was so painful to watch. <laughs> and, With a smile on my face. <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard to stay positive. But I don't know. I'm just kind of worried when you go back to the, are they a dual team or a tournament team? Which I just, I hate having that conversation. And I'm really glad we didn't have it as much this year. I feel like that's 
all we talked about last postseason, and we haven't this postseason. But Not I yet. feel like there are things, there are certain inconsistencies in some of those weights. You know, when you look at Julian Broderson, when you look at Jason Kreiser, we don't know what to expect with Corey Caban Like, I just, I am worried about how they're going to end up as a whole. But I want to believe, because of just how much growth they've had, throughout the season that they'll end second. And I'm, I'm on the same track with Ben that I don't see why they would lose to Oklahoma State. But, again, you know, Oklahoma State, again, comes up and rallies and shows you what you weren't seeing in a tournament throughout the whole season. So, But I'm sticking with second, even though I'm still kind of on the more pessimistic side. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, and, like, before Oklahoma State got slapped down by Iowa, <laughs> they, had, oh gosh. they had wrestled really well. <laughs> Like, and even though, what, they lost 28-7 to to Iowa? Like, I think they lost the first. I mean, Spencer got a pin. But then, like, after that, it was, like, how many, like, single-score mm-hmm. matches was it? Like, super close matches all the way up and down. Um, you know, but then, like, before they knew it, they were down 15-0. So it's like, all right. Um, like, yeah, like, before they, like, before they, start, before they got slapped down by Iowa, they had been wrestling really, really well. Um, you know, even despite a couple of, like, dual losses here and there, then they got a win over Missouri, and it's just, like, they're – I don't know. They're an interesting team. I'm curious which Oklahoma State team shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's Missouri's tournament to lose. But I think I'm in agreement with you guys that, like, second place for Iowa State, like, barring something crazy and unforeseen, should be, like, that. Sh- I think that should be celebrated. I think that should be considered a successful tournament. Um, you know, I think if, if they get eight or nine qualifiers or, heck, even all ten through, I think Dresser will be tickled. Um, but yeah, I think I think second place is absolutely doable. Um, you know, it's going to take some of those close matches. It's obviously going to take some bonus points. We'll see what the twenty-five redraw looks like, if and how much <laughs> that might impact things. I don't know. Maybe I'll rerun some of these um, team projections now that I'm thinking about it, just to kind of see what it might. Just to, maybe to get a little bit more accurate feel of what the team race could look like. Um, but I'm with you guys. I, th- I think they they eke out second over Oklahoma State. I think Mizzou's just a little bit too much for them to catch. Um, without some significant help, um, but yeah, I, I I I think they're firmly, they're pretty firmly. I I I think they're a tournament team this year. Um, I think they can be at least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it might come down to some of those younger guys, um, but yeah, I, th- I I think second. I think they can take second. I think it'll be a close race between them and Oklahoma State for second. Um, but I think they can do it. I think they'll I think they'll have a few guys outpunch their seeds and. Um, it should be a really fun tournament down in Tulsa. Are you both guys? Are you guys both going down there? Jackie is. I am not. But I am with you on this being a better tournament team than last year because the higher, the high caliber guys are higher caliber this year. Like David mm-hmm. Carr has taken a step up this year. Marcus Coleman's taken a step up. Sam Schuyler's taken a massive step up. Like he wasn't a point scorer last year for Iowa State. He's going to be a point scorer this year for Iowa State. Younger Bastida's taken a step up. They have. Guys this year who can score more points late in tournaments. And I think that's, that's huge when you get, especially the national tournament, when you're getting to the round of 12 and you become an All-American, the points are nuts when you get to that point in the tournament. So I think Iowa State's more of a tournament team this year just because the higher caliber guys are higher caliber. No, I agree with that. And I think, like, you know, you look at who their hammers are. It's the back end of the lineup, right? It's, it's David, Marcus, Younger, Sam. Um, you know, I think those four guys – not unrealistic to think that they could get to the NCAA quarterfinals, um, you know, and then you're like, okay, from there, however far they climb up the NCAA team race kind of depends on like, okay, where does, how, how much does Casey score? How much can Panero score? Um, you know, can, can I, if Broderson can qualify, can he figure out and win a couple of tough matches here and there? If Kreiser can qualify, can he, you know, can he win that pigtail match? I mean, that's still, it's still worth three points if you score a pin in the pigtail match. Um, yeah, I think the I agree with you. I think that just the higher end talent Iowa State has this year, like it's not unrealistic to think they have three guys in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of dudes. <laughs> um, and so, like that's I mean that's going to translate to a lot of points. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of you know those four guys are going to do what they do, and then how much can the younger guys behind them push them forward? Um, and I think that's going to dictate not only NCAA tournament but obviously the Big Twelve tournament again this weekend, um, which will be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Any final thoughts before we tie a bow on this conversation? Um, I feel like my only final thought is I'm just really excited for Pinero and Casey. I think they're going to be decision makers, I think, on how this goes for Iowa State. 
because obviously those upper weights are just so consistent and dressers are very lucky with their consistency and they've been so fun to watch but I think Casey and Pinheiro have a lot more on their shoulders and maybe we're not hidden quite as much as we should. No pressure, guys. Yeah, no pressure, if you're listening. All of Iowa State fans' hopes and dreams are on your shoulders. No. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? No, I do. I do. Final thoughts for me, and Jackie and I fall into this all the time on our podcast, is David Carr. We don't talk enough about David Carr, in my opinion. Like, he, I'm talking to me and Jackie, we, we just, we gloss over him. He's great, and he's Consistent. And yeah, it's just kind of like David Carr next topic. That's yeah. what I said. Exactly I'm like, he's so good. <laughs> that we, are, we all just say, we're like, all right, what do we need to dissect? Oh, yeah, David Carr, he's going to win. Like I said, <laughs> next, next topic. It's so insane. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, my final thought's going to be David Carr. <laughs> I love what David Carr has done this year. What he did to Keegan O'Toole was nothing short of masterful, in my opinion. He won 7-2. He did give up a takedown. Both David Carr and Kevin Dresser today mentioned, hey, he wasn't perfect. He gave up a takedown. He was working on things. He, didn't, he wouldn't say what. He wouldn't say what he was working <laughs> State on. State secrets. Yeah. But he was working on things to prevent getting taken down. But he got, what, three takedowns against O'Toole. He rode him out the entire third period. Ended every period on top. Ended every single period on top. It was like I said, pretty close to a master class from David Carr. He, he's stepped up so much this year, and I'm really, really excited to see what he can do in a tournament setting because last year, in the, tur- the last tournament he wrestled in, uh, NCAA Championships, he lost his first-round matchup to a guy that you'd never think he lost to. Obviously, the year before, he's a national champion, so it's one of those things where I think David Carr is an excellent tournament wrestler just because he can end matches early, he can get bonus points, and he's just so consistent. He's so technically perfect and positionally perfect. He's never out of any position. Against Keegan O'Toole, we talked with um, St. John and Metcalf before, before they went down to Russell, Missouri, and they both said that David Carr is an excellent scrambler. And that took me by surprise because we'd never seen David Carr in a scramble position because he's always in perfect position. He's never <laughs> going to be in a scramble. <laughs> so he did get into a scramble with Keegan O'Toole, and he came up on top without rolling around on the mat a ton. Like, and that's what Keegan wants, right? He wants to roll around on the mat. David's like, no, we're going to scramble a little bit, but we're not going to roll around on this mat. And he ended up getting a takedown after that scramble. And it's just he has so many tools in his toolbox that I don't know how you go about trying to beat him. And one of my favorite anecdotes from today's interviews was David Carr wrestles younger Bastida in the wrestling room. <laughs> what is that? 165 and 197. And he like, he's like, he's, we, I asked him, like, what are you taking away from that? What are you trying to get from that? He's like, well, I just love younger's athleticism and his brute strength. And one of the things he talked about was cutting the corner. David likes to run a corner. Younger leaps to corners on reattacks and things like that. And it's just, it's really interesting to see from that high level of a wrestler, those two, Younger and David, how just subtle things like that, things that we probably don't notice, that they are noticing that they're feeling against each other. And it, to hear a 165 and 187 pounder going against each other, and it sounds like wrestling relatively regularly. I asked how often they wrestle, and like, that's a state secret too. So, um, it's just, that, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that we... Ended on a thought on David Carr, because um, I, I agree. I think he's a little underappreciated um, just for how good he is. Like I, You think back through his career, and he still has another year left. We're presuming he's going to take advantage of the COVID mm-hmm. year, right? Yeah. Um, he wasn't honored on senior day, so that's like that's a huge clue, yep. right? Um, no, dude's lost like three times total, like once during his redshirt year, last year's NCAA championships. Um, and then he lost to Deacon as a redshirt freshman in the year that COVID canceled the national tournament. Like, he's been unbelievable. He came in with, like, unbelievable expectations. And, like, before his fourth Big 12 tournament, he has lived up to quite literally all of it. Um, and this year doing so after jumping weights. Um, when, like, you look at his hit list, like, it's, he's beaten Keegan O'Toole. He has beaten, I'm going to have to pull this up because it's, like, a very lofty list of guys that he's just beaten. Um, like, I had a thought earlier today. Like, if Spencer Lee didn't exist, like, I'm pretty sure David Carr would probably be the front runner for the Hodge. We Jack just and I talked, talked about, about that on our yes. last podcast. We like, just yep. talked about that. It could, just because he's been that good. Like, you look at, like, um, so he's 19-0. and 0, um, 
bonus points in roughly half his matches, but like he's beaten Keegan O'Toole, he's beaten Austin Yan, he's beaten Holden Heller, he's beaten Peyton Hall, All-American, Wyatt Sheets, All-American, um, Garrett Ninehouse, top 20 guy, uh, Cole Moody, top 20 guy, Alex Facundo, world medalist, Julian Ramirez, All-American, uh, Matthew Olguin from Oregon State, who just beat Shane Griffith. Um, he manhandled Patrick Kennedy, who U23 national champ. Um, you know, he's got wins over Dean Hamity. He's got wins over Brennan Tyler. Like, the just, I don't know, unbelievable resume. And if Spencer Lee had already exhausted his eligibility, I'm pretty sure Dave would be the front runner for the Hodge this year. He's been that good. Um, I'm glad we ended on that because I hope people are appreciating um, how good he's been and how good he is and how con- good he continues to be. Like, he's, he, he, wanted, he wanted to come to Iowa State to, like, rejuvenate the program and, like, lead them in a new direction, and I feel like he's done that more. Um, Absolutely. 100%. Which has been a lot of fun to watch. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for making the time, rolling up on about 50 minutes here, talking <laughs> Iowa State before the Big 12 tournament. Um, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank thanks you. It was a ton of fun. Thanks for having us. Big thanks again to Ben and Jackie for taking some time to chat. Some Cyclones earlier this week was hoping to have this show out um, on Thursday, obviously, as I said in that conversation that we had in Ames. Um, But here we are on a Friday. We got it out before the tournament started. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the hour-long Iowa State Heavy show here. The first of three that are in your feeds today ran into some technical difficulties um, earlier this week. So um, three in a row right here on a Friday. Hope, uh, Hope that makes up for the fact that I've been quite literally off the podcast grid for the last month. But hey, that's all we've got today, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, obviously, check your feeds for uh, had, a, had a second one um, that kind of touches on Iowa wrestling and the Big Ten championships, and then a third one that touches on Northern Iowa as well as the NCAA Women's National Championships. That's at least what I'm calling it. I know that there's a uh, um, more accurate... Um, description for what that tournament is actually called, but for our purposes here, NCAA Women's National Championships going down in Cedar Rapids, so hear from the coaches and a handful of athletes who spoke um, before that tournament started earlier this week, so be sure to check your feeds, go ahead and binge listen, get you ready for a full weekend of wrestling. Yeah, hope you guys enjoy the shows. Hope you guys enjoy all of the wrestling this weekend. Until then, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to the Des Moines Register. Final month of the season, guys. I don't want you to miss anything um, here as we hit the final stretch, especially this weekend with a bunch of conference tournaments, NAIA national championships going on. Obviously mentioned the women who are wrestling in Cedar Rapids. Also junior college national tournaments, men and women in Council Bluffs this weekend. We're going to cover it all like we always do. You can find links to subscribe um, as well as stories from this past week in the show notes thanks again for listening you guys we will talk again soon